Praise the Lord. Man, thank God for the songs of Zion, the songs of Zion that we can sing repeatedly and rehearse in our own spirits. And can I tell you something beautiful about the songs of Zion? When you sing those songs, when you listen to those songs, when you learn those songs, it helps you to develop worship as a lifestyle. Uh, those songs can encourage your heart. Those songs can inspire you to be all that God wants you to be. Those songs will encourage you when you're going through some dark and difficult times. I was singing a little song uh, just this past week, uh, and the song title is This Too Shall Pass. Don't ask me why, but it just came to my remembrance, the Lord brought it to my remembrance. I've had heartaches like this before, disappointments by the score. I claim the victory at last because this too shall pass. And sometimes it's not a new song. It's an old song that becomes new to you in terms of the application into your life. So always be blessed. Always allow the Lord to speak to you, not just through the preach word, but allow God to speak to you through the word and song as well. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we bless you and we thank you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and say will be pleasing in your sight. Help somebody who's listening, God, who needs you to come and know you. Help somebody who knows you, Lord, to continue to know you and grow in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a mother comes to school to withdraw her child. Uh, it was an academically rigorous program. It was a multilingual uh, program, a program intended to develop what we would call polyglots, people who speak more than two languages. This school was teaching English, Spanish, and Mandarin Chinese. It was our charter school, and as we were talking to these parents who were coming in, one of the things we wanted them to do was think about educating their children with the end in mind. What do you want your child to be equipped with as a student to help them be successful for the rest of their lives? We understood, and we did it on the preschool side in introducing this concept, that children who spoke English, Spanish, and Mandarin Chinese would be equipped to, listen carefully, communicate with, speak with 79% of the world's population. It would also allow them to experience the develop, uh, development of their neural networks because Spanish is not a Romance or Germanic language, it is an atonal language. And atonal languages are unique in that they literally fire both sides of the brain, the left side and the right side of the brain. So we told the parents, we said, listen, this is going to be different for your child. So they're going to come home and they're going to be complaining as those neural networks are expanding and as their brains are being worked harder than they've ever been worked before. They're going to come home and complain. They're going to come home and complain that they're having headaches. They're going to come home and complain that they don't like the teacher. They're going to come home and complain um, that they don't understand what's going on. But just give us a few weeks. We've seen this over and over again. It will pass. And I promise you they will love it. Just give them a few weeks. 
Well, after the first week, we had a parent come in, a very young parent come in, and she came in to withdraw her five-year-old from school. As to what was wrong, was there a problem? Something happened? Did a teacher uh, treat the child poorly or something? And she said, no, 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 there's no problems, Pastor. She said, I just talked to him, and he told me he wasn't happy. And, and so I'm going to withdraw him and find another school for him. And, and I'm thinking to myself, hold on. We're preparing your child to conquer the world. We're going to release genius that's in your child that they're not going to get anywhere else. And, and, and you're withdrawing your child because your child told you he doesn't like the school, like he's not having fun. My brothers and sisters, I was thinking to myself, okay, there's something wrong. I must, I, I, I must be being punk. I'm on a camera somewhere. When did a five-year-old get an opinion that mattered in life issues? When did, when did parents start asking five-year-old children what their opinion was and it mattered? And I learned at that moment, I said, man, this world is turned upside down, y'all. Because now children are dictating to parents. Parents aren't dictating to children. And we see that over and over in the world today. In a world where active shooting drills are being held in schools and in churches. I submit to you, the world is turned upside down. When we call right wrong and wrong right, I submit to you the world is turned upside down. When we decide what we want and we're hollering more about our rights than we are about what God wants as people of God, I submit to you that our world is turned upside down. Now, the Bible says that there was a group of believers, Acts chapter 17, verse 6 in particular. Paul and Silas go into this city. They stay with a man named Jason. And, and Paul and Silas have been preaching the gospel. And this is not their first stop in the preaching of the gospel. As a matter of fact, they have caused uproars in other places and they are identified by the civic association to be those who are turning the world upside down. But here's what I submit to you, my brothers and sisters. Because the world has been marred by sin since Adam and Eve, we are disoriented in what is up and what is down. And in a very real sense, what we consider to be upside down is really right side up. And so today I want to continue our thought with a message that we started on last week, how to turn the world right side up, how to turn the world right side up, because I believe God has called us to reverse things and what appears to those in the world to be upside down. When we do it in Jesus' name, according to God's principles, we're actually turning the world 
right side up. Our text today comes from Acts chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 9. Specifically, verse 6 is our anchor passage. And let me share with you several thoughts today that I hope and pray will help you to understand how you can turn the world right side up. Here's the first and only point for today. You can turn the world right side up when you share God's love and the gospel with others. You can turn the world right side up when you share God's love and the gospel with others. Watch this. The Bible says that Paul reasoned in the synagogue for three Sabbath days, three weeks. He went sharing the gospel with those who needed it. Uh, Paul understood that there were many who had never heard the gospel never understood what it meant to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. So Paul, knowing that, and knowing that people without Jesus would die and be doomed to hell, he goes and just like Christ loved the world and gave his life for the world, Paul gives his life to sharing the gospel with those who who needed it. He wanted believers to understand the model that he was setting, that, that you must take the gospel to people and give them an opportunity to hear it and be saved. My brothers and sisters, we, we have seen a shift in what defines what is a successful church. You see, in Paul's day, in the early church's days, success of the church was measured by going, by sharing the gospel with others, going into the hedges and highways, going into all the world. Somewhere around 1100 AD plus or minus, a shift took place. We started building these great structures, these great Gothic structures, and we said it was to the glory of God. And then here's what we did. Instead of going, we shifted and we started requiring people to come. And our success was no longer defined by our sending capacity. Our success was defined by our seating capacity. And the truth of the matter is, we have never gotten back to sending we have been focused on seating. So people brag about how big a building they have. But they can't talk about how many lives they're touching and changing. Because we're using the wrong standard for success. Paul is taking the gospel to people who need it. Let me share with you three things under this one point. Here it is. A. You must have God's love for lost people. You must have God's love for lost people. The Bible says God loves lost people. The Bible says God loves unsaved people. The Bible says God loves sinners. Now, this may be news to you, but watch this. God loved you when you were at your worst. 
And God loved you when you were at your worst. And it's his love that helped you to become who you are right now. He's not finished with you yet, but God's love is what got you where you are. Here's what Paul wants you to understand. Here's what Jesus wants you to understand. Here's what God himself wants you to understand. In order to turn the world upside down, or rather right side up in God's name, you have to have a love for lost people. Look at John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5, verses 7 through 8. Read it with me, if you will, wherever you are. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's the question. Do you love the lost like God loves the lost? Do you see lost people as a people who need the love of God in their lives or do you see them as an inconvenience? Do you see them as somebody who is lazy, trifling? Do you see them as somebody who is to be ridiculed? Do you get self-righteous when you see lost people? And can I say something about this? When I talk about lost people, I'm not talking about poor people. I'm talking about lost people. Here's what we need to understand. There are people who need Jesus who are down and out, but there are people who love, who need Jesus who are up and in. There are people who need the Lord who don't have two nickels, and there are people who need the Lord who have two billion of dollars there are people wherever you are on the socioeconomic status here's the question that God has for you do you know Jesus it's, it's amazing how people think the presence of cash cars commodities and creature comforts automatically means that somebody knows the Lord and Paul says you gotta you gotta know you got to know the Lord and you got to love the folk who don't know the Lord. But watch B. You must share the gospel with lost people. It's not enough to have a love for lost people. Paul says you must share the gospel with lost people. You must be willing to tell lost people about Jesus. That's why he reasoned with them for three Sabbaths because even though they had a knowledge, they were ignorant of who Jesus was. They didn't know that he was the Savior. They didn't know that he was the Messiah. And so Paul went there to share with them who Jesus was. And here's what Paul wants you and I to understand. Having a love for lost people is not enough. We've got to care enough about them to share the gospel with them. Give them an opportunity to come to know Jesus. Now, when I talk about knowing Jesus, here's what I've learned. When it comes to ministering to poor people, we have no problem in many instances preaching to them and telling them about Jesus. But we have a problem telling people who may have as much as we have or God forbid have more than we have that they need Jesus. Because here's their comeback. If I wasn't blessed by God, I wouldn't have all of this. 
If I wasn't blessed by God, I wouldn't be driving what I'm driving. I wouldn't be sleeping where I'm sleeping if I wasn't blessed by God. And here's the challenge that you have to put back on them. It's not about whether or not you are blessed by God. It's whether or not you have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. See, the mental acumen to be able to make money is not an indication that you know Jesus Christ as your savior. I'm talking to somebody that's watching right now. You're watching me and you have all of the creature comforts you could ever ever need in life. Matter of fact, you have some enough to take you over into the next life, but do you know Jesus as your savior? Have you asked Jesus Christ into your life? Look at John 17 verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. John 20, beginning at verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So I am sending you. He's sending us to do what? To take the gospel to lost people. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth when God calls, God enables. That's what I need you to get right now. When God calls, God enables. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here, listen, listen to me carefully. First, he says there's a power behind the gospel. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is going to empower you. Listen, here's what I've learned many times when we talk about witnessing. We, we are many times intimidated by that. Maybe you're shy, maybe you're introverted. And here's what I need you to know. It is the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit that you need in order to be a witness. Because watch this. It is the power of God that not only gives you the opportunity to speak, it gives the person the mind to hear, and it will give you the words to share at that moment. It is almost like a divine coordination that takes place in that witnessing, sharing of the gospel moment. Remember, Paul says, some people plant the seed, some people water, but it's God who gives the increase. So, so how, how, how do we do that? How, how do we make that happen? He, he says, recognize first that there's power behind the gospel, but second, there's not only power behind the gospel, he says, understand that there's the person of the gospel or the person who presents the gospel because when Paul, when Acts chapter one, verse eight, when he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, here's what we need to understand. When that word was spoken, it was spoken, spoken specifically to the disciples of the moment, but it was spoken parenthetically to all of us by principle, by application. All of us are the you. 
you are the you. I am the you who is now responsible for the sharing of the gospel. So, so we are the persons uh, for the gospel. But then watch this. The, the proclamation of the gospel is right there. He says, you will be my witnesses. And here's what we need to understand. We're not witnessing to Christ. We're witnessing about Christ. We're telling what the Lord has done. Can you tell the story of what the Lord has done in your life? Can you tell the story of how the Lord has changed your life? He says, he says you, you, you've got to recognize what, what is undergirding this, this powerfully empowered proclamation. It's what the Lord has done. That's why he says, fourth, the price of sharing the gospel, you are a witness. Now, that word for witness is an interesting word because that word for witness is the same place that we get the word martyr from. In other words, when you witness for the Lord, it may cost you something. But here's what we need to understand. When God is with us, when God is for us, The price of witnessing will never exceed the blessings that God brings into our lives. It may cost you some friends, but they were really never friends. You know, it's it's like it's like Facebook. You know, some people think everybody that's your friend on Facebook is your friend. Right. Some people just accept friends just to get their numbers up. Some people just accept friends because people request a friend. They don't know who the people are who are all their friends. Then there's some people who have five friends on Facebook because that's all the friends they have. That's all the friends that they want. That's all the people that they know. There are influencers who accept friends that they don't know, but they want to accept you so that they have access to you so they can influence you. He says, as a witness, it may cost you, but the cost associating with being a witness for Jesus Christ is never more than the blessings that God will provide for you obeying him. Here's the last thing, no fifth. He says, there's a place for sharing. I love this. Watch what the text says. The text says, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, which means what? The gospel is to go everywhere. Everywhere. There's no limit to where we are to take the gospel. There's no limit in terms of where we should send the gospel. He says, send it to Jerusalem. That's people you love. He says, send it to Judea. That's people you like. He says, make sure the gospel goes to Samaria. That's people you don't like. He says, go to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's people you don't know. So whether you love them, like them, don't like them, or don't know them, He says the gospel needs to go forth and it's your responsibility to share the love of God with others through the gospel. Here's one last thing and then I'm going to take my seat. See, you must show God's love to all people. You've got to show God's love to all people. First John chapter four, beginning at verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, here it is, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 
By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. John 13, verse 34 and 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not the size of the Bible you carry, not the number of scriptures you can recite. The love that you have for one another will show the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I believe we're at a point right now in our world where more than anything else, we have to earn credibility as Christ followers, focusing on and making primary sharing and showing the love of God above everything else because here's the truth of the matter we have people on both sides of the aisles politically economically sociologically theologically we have people on both sides of the aisle who have forgotten the primary mandate to show love first peter 4 verses 7 through 8 the new living translation says the end of the world is coming soon Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. My brothers and sisters, listen to me carefully. Over and over again in the scriptures, we're commanded to what? Love. And, and, and this love, if we're honest, appears radical. Appears radical to those who are unloving. Appears radical to those who are looking to take advantage of people, who are looking to scheme and connive people, who are looking to run game on people. This idea of loving somebody and helping them to be their best is something that the world is not accustomed to seeing. And the writer of Acts Luke wants to challenge us. Paul wants to challenge us to do our part to turn the world right side up. Now, in case you're wondering, I told you last week about this painting and I was trying to figure out uh, whether this painting was right side up or upside down. And I kept on looking and I would turn it and, and it was kind of crazy because you know, many paintings have that wire in the back and you can hang it on a nail and it was kind of right in the middle. So it wasn't even at the top where that would give me an indication of, you know, which way to hang it. Right. So it was hanging properly and it was hanging either way. And I was like, man, this is strange. And then I thought about something. I looked for the artist's signature on the painting. Because here's what I figured. If the artist's signature is right side up, then that's the way the painting was intended to be hung. Artists are not going to sign the signature upside down. 
So however the artist signed it, that must be the way it was intended to be hung. Why? Because what determines the right way to hang it is not the person who hung the painting, but the person who created the painting. And all I want somebody to understand is when you think about this world and you're wondering whether it's upside down or right side up, let's think about the author, the creator of the world. Let's think about the finisher of our faith. And I promise you, if we look at what God says and we look at what he signs off on, he will always show us the right side up. You're wondering right now how your marriage should be. I challenge you to go to the word of God and see what God says in his word so that you can turn your marriage right side up. You want to know how to raise your children? Go to the word of God. Don't go to TikTok. Don't go to IG. Don't, don't, don't go to Google. No, go to the word of God and let the word of God uh, uh, guide you because when the word of God guides you you will see God's signature on it and you can always put it right side up God challenges us to be world changers to turn the world not upside down well it may be to unbelievers but for believers we turn the world right side up let's pray God, we thank you and we bless you for this day. And I pray now, God, that everything that we have said and everything that we have done has been pleasing in your sight. <sighs> Help us, God. As we think through our lives, not to display our lives in a way that we think is right or in a way other people think is right. But help us, God, to make sure our lives accurately display what you want so that our lives may be pleasing in your sight. And when in doubt, we'll search for your signature, for your word to help us determine whether or not our world is right side up or upside down where our prayers fall short we ask you to make up the differences in Jesus name we pray amen amen man we thank God for you being with us on today I hope and pray that you have been blessed that you have been encouraged along the way now listen to me carefully if you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life if you do not know the Lord in the pardon of your sins, I want you to click on the link right now that says, I want to become a Christian. I want to ask Jesus Christ into my life. I want to be saved. All of those are synonyms for giving your life to the Lord. And if you would click on that link, it will take you to a message that I have recorded to walk you through how to ask Jesus Christ into your life to pray the prayer of salvation if you're looking for a church home and you believe this is God this is what God wants you to do and this is where God wants you to be here's what I need you to know the wonderful thing about technology is wherever you are in the world and whatever time you watch this 
you can ask Jesus Christ into your life and you can connect with us. The Bible says God neither slumbers nor sleeps. And here's what I've learned and what I love about technology. That even while I'm asleep, God can still speak to you through his word, through his servant. And you can say yes to the Lord. So for somebody, you may be watching right now at an odd hour, odd, odd time. You may be up when everybody else is asleep. But here's what I want you to know. When you're up and everybody else is asleep, just know God is up as well. And allow God to come into your life. Now, for those of you who want to worship the Lord in giving with us, there are six ways that you can worship on the digital platform. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. You can worship the Lord on the digital platform. You can say yes to the Lord in terms of your salvation, but you can also worship the Lord on the digital platform in your giving. And I want you to give as God has blessed you, give as God has prospered you. And more importantly, make sure you understand that giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. And when you come to give, you're literally worshiping the Lord. The Bible says, Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And so allow your heart to express your love for God here in this kingdom work. Several exciting things, man, that are going on in our church. Um, you already know about our food pantry and the millions of pounds that God has allowed us to distribute to people addressing food insecurities and the like. Uh, we're going to pick back up our pre-COVID practice and we're just working through the logistics now in terms of our monthly community empowerment events. We're going to base that on data. We're looking at now who's living in our area, who's still here, what their need is, and how we can address those needs. Because we know if we address the felt needs of people, it will give us the credibility that we need to address their real needs, and that's their need for salvation and their need for sanctification in Jesus Christ. So we're working through that and we're excited about what God is doing. We have our wellness center about to come online for our seniors and uh, we're excited about that, looking forward to that. Man, we, we have plans, uh, getting ready to do some master planning around our food pantry and our clothing giveaway, our thrift store. We're working through that right now. So there's several things that are on the table that we are prayerfully not just considering but working to bring to pass and all of that happens out of your giving and we're grateful and thankful to the Lord for that uh, last but certainly not least remember God is doing something wonderful in you God is doing something wonderful in me uh, it's a process and there may be times that you feel up there may be times that you feel down but here's the thing I want you to remember God is always moving you forward whether up or down, he's moving you forward so that he can present you faultless before his throne with exceeding great joy. Oh, and to all of those who are going back to school, those of you who are in school, colleges, high schools, wherever you're going back, man, God bless you and God be with you. Uh, we pray God's protection over you, God's keeping power, and do the best that you can to become all that God wants you to be. God bless.